Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. I'm never going to be the man or the woman God wants me to be if I continue to have these relationships, these connections. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, it says, Do not be unequally yoked together with a non-believer, God says. Later on, he says, come out from among them and be separate to the Lord, and I will be your God and you will be my children. And so there's some people and maybe some things that you need to separate from in order to be fully dedicated to the Lord. In our current society, one of the most common trends is to live with our significant others. It doesn't matter if it's an engagement or even a casual relationship. Our culture has normalized living with the person that you're seeing. Today, Pastor Bill explains that no matter how easy it may be to do as the world does, you need to make sure that you're equally yoked in the Lord in your relationships. You will never experience the deep relationship connections that you seek unless He's in the center of it all. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Nehemiah chapter 11 as he continues his message, Separation and Dedication. There's two Thanksgiving choirs that God has put together and they walk around the walls that were built. And I, we'll talk about some, some interesting things with that when we get there. But they have a job and they're, they're scattered all around. And so I just would say this to those that are part of the church. Maybe you play an instrument. Maybe you sing. A, maybe you have a voice. Please use those gifts. Use those abilities. Use those talents. Surrender them. Give them to God. He likes it. God likes singing to him. He, it, it blesses him. It's, 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 and then if you can lead others in it, there's something about music. You guys, I leave church every week. My, my kids can attest to this. Whatever song is last sung, it's in my mind. It's in my head. It's, it's, it's locked in. There are days where, you know, you're just walking around and there's a tune. There's a song in your heart, something that I've sung at church, something I've heard. It's, it's, it's just a tune in my heart. The other day I was in the house. And I was singing a song uh, under my breath. My wife said, what is that you're singing? She said, I was just singing the same song to myself. We was in tune with our worship even, you know, the girl is with me. So, but it, it, it has an impact on us. It's, can you worship? Can you be singing to the Lord and be in the flesh? Hmm? Some of you can. Some of you are like, uh-huh, uh, you shouldn't be able to, right? If, you, if you're worshiping in spirit and in truth, this should impact you. You can definitely sing songs with an empty heart. And that's not what we're talking about. Uh, worship should flow. It should be something from the overflow of our hearts. Uh, we should think about the words that we're singing to the Lord. It should be something that I believe is true, that I mean, that I can, I can say this to the God of heaven. Verse 30, then the priests and Levites purified themselves and purified the people, the gates and the wall. And so this purification was uh, a way they had to prepare themselves to enter in. This is what's important. You couldn't just come before the Lord any old kind of way in the Old Testament. There was they had purification ceremonies. They had a they had to wash a certain kind of way. The priests and the Levites, they had to the priests had to wash the, the water had to come down and dribble off your elbow. They had all kind of rules they had to keep. You just couldn't come before God any old kind of way. There was they had to be purified. They had to get things right. You didn't want to come before God and be in sin or be tainted in any way and try to offer worship. We need to consider that when we come before the Lord. You should prepare your heart. Uh, I, I think sometimes people come to church looking for God to, you know, I'm coming to church and I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm to I'm come with all my stank and hope that God touches me when I get there. How about you prepare yourself to come to church? I'm coming to worship 
the Lord. I'm coming to, I'm going to offer, I'm going to give to the Lord. I'm going to sing to the Lord. I'm going to hear from the Lord. I'm going to be with the people of God. I want to be used and be impactful in, in, in the body of Christ. You should prepare yourself when you come into the house of the Lord. You, I tell people, you know, when you, you don't just come to church, prepare to come to church. You're going to be, it's the one time a week for some of you guys, if it's only Sunday that you come, when you can come, when we come back, that's that day. It's like, you should sleep good. You should go to bed early on Saturday so you can be alert when you get up, get your coffee and your food, whatever you got to do to be right, get here on time and be ready. Pray before you come. God, use me today. I'm a, I'm a member of your body. The spirit of the living God is with that. Give me something to say to somebody that'll help them, that'll bless them. Uh, give me insight. Give me wisdom. Give me, give me mercy. Give me something, Lord. Let, but use me. That it wouldn't be somewhere we come just looking to get. I'm, God, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to give to you and to others. I want to be spent and used for your glory when we come together. And so they purify themselves. Again, they weren't going for themselves. They're saying, God, we're, we're, this is for you. And so we got to be right before we come before you because we want you to be blessed with what we bring. May that be our heart and our attitudes. God, this is about you. We want you to be honored. We want you to be blessed with what we bring before you. Verse 31 says, so I brought the leaders of Judah up on the wall and check this out. And appointed two large Thanksgiving choirs. One went to the right hand of the wall toward the refuse gate. And after them, Hoshiah and have the leaders of Judah and Azariah, Ezra, Meshulam, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, Jeremiah, and some of the priests, sons with trumpets, Zechariah, the son of Jonathan, the son of Shemaiah, the son of Mataniah, the son of Micaiah, and the son of Zechur, the son of Asaph, and his brother Shemaiah. I'll stop with the names there. They went the other way. And pick up in verse 37, it says, by the fountain gate in front of them, they went up the stairs of the city of David on the stairway of the wall beyond the house of David as far as the water gate eastward. Let me stop. I want you guys to go back in the book with me. When Nehemiah was building the wall and the enemy was attacking him, you know, fiercely, he first, is, when, when it says when Samballot and Tobiah, when they first heard that somebody was seeking the well-being of Israel, it says they were, they were greatly disturbed. They were, ah, they were, they were rot. They were angry that somebody cares about God's place and God's people. And they, they were coming against him. And if you guys remember, we talked about it, how every time the enemies of Nehemiah were mentioned, it was more of them. It was Sambal and Tobiah. Then it was Sambal and Tobiah and the Arabs. Then it was Sambal and Tobiah and the Arabs and this, uh, this other group of people and all those people that were coming against Nehemiah. Remember one time, one of the strategies and one of the tactics of the enemy is to bring discouragement. And they said, Nehemiah, man, that wall you building is so weak that even if a fox walks on that little cheap wall you building, it's going to fall down and crumble. I paraphrase, but y'all go back and read it. That's what they said. They said, man, if even a fox, and if you guys know a fox is dainty, lightweight, they kind of hop and jump and run. Not a big, it's not a wolf, not a bear, not a dog. Just a, if a fox jumps on your little wall, it's going to fall down. I think it's amazing that there's a whole choir, two choirs, two large choirs walking around the walls. That, that the enemy said, man, them little walls, if a fox gets on it, it's going to fall down. Well, now um, there's all these people that are, that are getting ready to get their praise on, uh, and they're making their way. They're, they're both going in different directions. They'll all meet at one place. They'll have a, like an aerial view of, of everything that's going on, and God is going to be worshipped in this place. 
as you look at that, I, I hope that we'll be reminded that it, there, I don't think that we'll ever do a work for God where the enemy doesn't hit us with discouraging thoughts. Where the enemy doesn't say, oh, it won't work. It'll never go. You can't do it. It's not going to happen. Blah, blah. That's what he does. And sometimes he said it to people. Sometimes he'll plant it in your own mind. You'll be thinking wicked thoughts against the work that God has called you to do for your, you know, yourself. If you can ignore the enemy, if you can ignore those voices, sometimes you got to tune out everything except what God said. God, you said do it. That's all I got working for me today is you said do this. I'm doing what you said do. So if this goes bust, it's on you, Lord. I'm just going to obey what you told me to do. And it's difficult to do that because you got to do that by faith. You know, you can't see it in your face. You got to do it by faith. Nehemiah kept going by faith. God, he had permission, he had prayed, God, he had heard from the Lord, and he was on a mission to rebuild these walls and get things right, and he didn't stop. That was the one thing about we see Nehemiah do. He never stopped. With all the distractions, with all the attacks, with all the things the enemy did, he just kept going, and so the wall kept going up and kept getting built until it was done. The work was completed. Maybe you're doing a work for the Lord right now. Maybe you're beginning a new work for the Lord right now. Maybe God has stirred something up in you and you're, you're, you're insecure about it. You're unsure about it. Not sure if it's going to work. And you got all these things going on. The one thing that you need to be able to go back and see is, did God call me to do this? If you can't go back and identify that, then you can start over and say, Lord, let me make sure this is you before I give my whole self to it. Because you don't want to give your whole self to something and God's like, I'm not in that with you. It's, it is, that is just you. However, if you can run back time and say, God, you said to do this, or if you can pray afresh and, and get clarity that I believe this is what God, I do believe this is what God wants me to do. Then you got to, once you have that word, God, you said, do it, do the thing God called you to do with the passion and the fervor and the zeal that a word from God should, should require of us. God, I'm, I'm going on your word. You can't fail. You can't mess up. You can't come short. You're just you are faithful. And so you got to be able to run with that. So it is important that we pray about everything, that we seek the Lord before we do things. But once we've heard that we can run forward full of faith, even if the, if the crunch of numbers and doesn't add up, if, you know, it looks impossible, the enemies are many, the, 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 the doubt is growing. Keep going. Keep going. Keep keep going and see the hand of the Lord in your life. Keep going and see the salvation of the Lord. See what God will do as you in faith. God does the work that he does through the believers in is by faith. By faith that kingdoms have been subdued by faith. So much of what we see in our Bibles, the, the people that God did it through, it was by faith. There were scary moments. There was a lot against them, but it was by faith that they kept plowing, kept going, kept doing. And God kept showing up. God kept being faithful. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so you can't read a story like this. You can't read a scenario like this and, and not take from it and say, God, this is, I'm learning about my God in this chapter. Through these people, through this scenario, it's the same God that I serve. Different season, different covenant, same God. He's faithful. And I do believe that there's a work God has given many of us to do. I'm, I'm encouraged right now that the work God has given me to do, this work right here, I'm encouraged that it's, it's God's doing it. And yeah, I'm in a room and there's not, y'all are not here. Y'all are over there. I praise God that at least I got this. I'm glad to be here speaking to you guys right now in this way. I give God the glory for this. 
that I'm speaking to anybody and that anybody is listening to me tell them what the Bible says is to God's glory and to God's credit. I'm nobody. And if you take away God's word, I got nothing of value to say to anybody. But God's got something he wants to say. God's got something he wants to do. And I was encouraged a few weeks ago. We had a message. It was called uh, Repentance, Confession and Renewal, I believe. And preached that message just like this. And it was on YouTube and on Facebook and on Instagram. And then I got a, a, a message, a, a DM on Facebook. And a guy said, hey, man, I was listening to that message and rededicated my life to the Lord. And, and I was encouraged because I, 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 it was, I wasn't, you know, it wasn't like at church where you saw someone responded. Someone, someone came forward. Someone raised their hand. Someone came for prayer. Um, but someone wrote in and said, hey, man, I, I, that message ministered to me. And I, I, I recommitted my heart, my life to the Lord. And I was able to interact and go back and forth. That blessed my heart. That blessed my life. And so I just encourage you guys, the work that God has given you to do, that you would keep going. Do it by faith. Don't look at what's happening wrong. Look at what God has said and wait on him to see what he does as you move forward in faith. Now, verse 38, it says the other Thanksgiving choir went the opposite way. And I was behind them with half the people on the wall going past the tower of the ovens as far as the broad wall and above the gate of Ephraim, above the old gate, above the fish gate, the tower of Hanel, the tower of, of the hundred as far as the sheep gate. And they stopped by the gate of the prison. So the two Thanksgiving choirs stood in the house of God. Likewise, I and half of the rulers with me and the priests, Eliakim, Messiah. I'm not going to say all those names all the way down to the end of verse 42. It says the singers sang loudly with Jezariah, the director. So they had choirs. They had somebody up. I, I wish I could see what did it look like for them to direct that choir in that place. But it says that they sang loudly. I think that's important. Right. What should worship sound like? What should praise to the Lord sound like? I do believe that there should be some exuberance in our praise and our worship that it, it, it shouldn't be held back. It shouldn't be a squeak. It should be sometimes. God says, make a joyful shout. Why he didn't say make a joyful whisper? I've never seen that verse. God never said, hey, make a joyful whisper to me. Just you know, whisper to your neighbor that you love the Lord. God says, no, shout it out. Say it like you mean it. Let there be some exuberance about it. He said that the singers sang loudly. And this guy was out there directing. Obviously, they didn't have microphones. They didn't have, everybody didn't have a little wireless lapel on their choir roll swaying back and forth. And so they sang loudly. So everybody could hear and follow. And so, but when I look at singing loudly, it's, it, to me it says something about, there's something shameless about saying it loud. There's something, there's something shameless, but there's also something powerful about singing loudly. I think this even happens in the secular realm. We'll hear some people sing, and it's, it's with such fervor and passion that you can hear something secular sung in such a way that it, it touches you. It's, it's, it's in a soulish way. You can be moved emotionally. You can be touched by it. It's, it's something powerful about that. Um, not necessarily spiritual, but something powerful. Here it says, and I think when those who know the Lord, who are filled with the Spirit, sing with that kind of passion and fervor, it could also be very impactful. Obviously, again, it's to the Lord. But I do believe it's also impactful uh, to those around us. So verse 43, it says, also, 
That day they offered great sacrifices and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard afar off. And I thought that was interesting. They, they gave great, they offered great sacrifices, and then they also rejoiced greatly. And there's something interesting there. Like they, they're, they're giving to the Lord, and they're also rejoicing greatly. Great giving, great rejoicing, great offering, great sacrifices, and rejoicing with great joy. Now, I, this, is, this is, again, the, the takeaway. I think as you give everything to the Lord, um, then it's not like, man, we, we offered great sacrifices, and we were like, Wow, we're, nah, that's a lot. They, they, weren't, they weren't bummed out. They offered great sacrifices, and there was something joyous and wonderful about this time. I said they rejoiced with great, it says, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. And don't miss that phrasing. God had made them rejoice with great joy. Joy comes from the Lord. Joy is not a manufactured happy. Happiness is it comes and goes. You know, happiness is, is wrapped up in what's happening. But joy is rooted in our relationship with the Lord. And so you can have a rough day and still be full of joy, the joy that God gives. Um, and so here it says, God calls them to rejoice with great joy. The women and the children also rejoice so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard from afar off. Now, check this out. Think about all those that aren't, aren't in Jerusalem, Right. And this, this, this shouts and praise and worship and two Thanksgiving choirs on the wall, worshiping all loudly. And they sang loudly. And God says the joy of Jerusalem was heard afar off. And I wonder if some of those that were outside were like, did you hear that? It sounds like they're having a great time over there. I wonder if they were, if they were hearing the joy and the worship and the, the great joy that was there. I hope, they, I hope they did hear it. I hope they heard it and it made them jealous, you know, made them, made them want to rethink their decision. But, you know, here's the thing. God heard it. It was to him anyway. But it was also heard from afar. Their worship was to the Lord, but everybody heard it. It was rocking for the Lord. Verse 44, this last little section here, we'll see some temple, the temple responsibilities, the things that needed, the, the practical things that needed to happen. And you know, as we wrap this up, we had the, the time of the dedication of the people, the dedication of the, of, the, of the wall now. The people were dedicated. The wall is dedicated. They're separated from the pagans around them to the Lord. And now things are getting back in order, right, where God wants them. And so God says, now let's, let's get these other pieces in place. Verse 44, and at the same time, some were appointed over rooms of the storehouse for the offerings, first fruits. For the first fruits and the tithes to gather them into the fields of the cities, the portion specified by the law for the priests and Levites for Judah rejoiced over the priests and Levites who ministered. So if you guys remember previously, they weren't giving, they weren't giving the tithe. They didn't have a temple to worship in. The priests weren't living, the Levites weren't living off the, the giving as they were supposed to. And so now that everything is back in order, he said, we got to have some people that are in charge. As everybody is going to be bringing their offerings and bringing their tithes, now we need people that are responsible to collect these things and to organize them and put them where they belong so that they're distributed as they're supposed to be. And so things are just getting back in order in the house of the Lord. Verse 45, it says, both the singers and the gatekeepers kept charge of their God and the charge of the purification according to the command of David and Solomon, his son. And so 
Um, they kept charge. They, they made sure they, they, there was a there was a requirement upon them and upon those that were coming in. And so that was that was their role that was given to them uh, to take charge of the purification according to what David and Solomon had laid down for them. Verse 46, for in the days of David and Asaph of old, there were chiefs of the singers and songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. In the days of Zerubbabel, in the days of Nehemiah, and all Israel gave the portions for the singers and the gatekeepers, a portion for each day. And so the gatekeepers who are watching out, the singers who are singing, they were fed. They were there all day, giving it up for the Lord. And so they were taken care of as well. They were given portions to eat each day. They also consecrated holy things for the Levites, and the Levites consecrated them for the children of Aaron. And so as we end these, these two chapters, separation and dedication, a couple of things I just want to encourage us with. You know, God wants his people to be set apart by him and for him. As they earlier separated from the pagans around them to come back to the Lord, they had intermarried with pagans. They had relationships with some of the people that they shouldn't, and they had to come out from them and recommit themselves to the Lord. There was a separation there. Maybe you are in a place in your walk with the Lord where you need to separate from people. There may be relationships that you're in and you know this is not God's will for my life right now. And I'm never going to get where God's taking me. I'm never going to be the man or the woman God wants me to be if I continue to have these relationships, these connections. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, it says, do not be unequally yoked together with a non-believer, God says. Later on, he says, come out from among them and be separate to the Lord and I will be your God and you will be my children. And so there's some people and maybe some things that you need to separate from in order to be fully dedicated to the Lord uh, the people were first dedicated. Then we looked at the dedication of the, 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 the walls and the temple and all these things. But the people, God wants you to be dedicated to him. That, that means that there's a sold outness to the Lord. There's a devotion to the Lord that is supreme in your life. Maybe there are people listening will say, you know what? I'm dedicated to some other things, but I'm not really dedicated to the Lord. The Lord is not first place. He's in there, but he's not first place. He gets, he gets third, fourth. He gets what's left over. And if that's you, it's not right that God, God deserves only to be in the first place. He deserves your total dedication to him. And I want you to notice he got these things in order. They were singing to him because it was he's the only one worthy of that sort of thing. God's the only one worthy to be sung to like that, that there would be all these people, all, all these people, the Levites, the priests, the singers, the gatekeepers, the Nethanim, the Israelites, the leaders, all these people were one focus. What he said, his glory, his worship, that God. And now for you and I, it's gone even further. This is the God of the Old Testament we're looking at. We're New Testament believers. He left heaven, came to earth, Jesus, lived the perfect, holy, sinless life we couldn't live, died on the cross in my place and in your place, was buried, rose from the grave, ascended back into heaven, and welcomed us into relationship with him offers us forgiveness of sins and relationship with him. And he's deserving. For many of us, we receive that, that gift, his grace, his mercy. Uh, he's deserving of sold out level of dedication. I belong to hell apart from Jesus. So whatever he wants with this life, he wants me to sing with it, preach with it, work with it, whatever he would have. He should have my total and he should have your total surrender and dedication. 
so glad you decided to spend your time with us here today on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been making his way through the book of Nehemiah. Do you ever feel like every time you step into your calling, life gets really, really hard? Nehemiah knew what it was like. Partway through the work of rebuilding the wall, the people encountered opposition and it became necessary to defend themselves while they worked. Nehemiah 4:21 through 23 says, So we labored at the work, and half of them held the spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. I also said to the people at that time, Let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem, that they may be a guard for us by night and may labor by day. So neither I nor my brothers nor my servants nor men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes each kept his weapon at his right hand. Nehemiah faced a physical threat to the people, but you and I will face a spiritual one. A spiritual threat requires spiritual weapons, like prayer, praise, and worship. Don't forget to keep them at your right hand all the time. A Transforming Word is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood in Inglewood, California. Are you in the area? We'd love for you to come and see us this Sunday. We meet at 9 and 11 a.m. For the rest of the information you need, head over to CalvaryInglewood.org. Once again, that's CalvaryInglewood.org. And if you're not in the area, be sure to catch our live stream this Sunday. Thank you, and we'll see you again on A Transforming Word.